Welcome to the What We Talked About in Class podcast, brought to you from the campus of Wayne Community College in Goldsboro, North Carolina, sponsored by the Foundation of Wayne Community College. I started like, I was wearing the mask when I was doing the lecture last week, and I was like, Oh, I feel like I can't breathe, and then I thought about, oh, I'm wearing a mask, you know, I'm really like doing that over and over again, and doing a lot of talking, so I said, let me try this thing, and even though it looks funny, uh, I feel like I can communicate easier with this thing on, so. Anybody do anything fun this weekend or interesting? No? I watched a couple movies, uh, which is unusual, I usually, I don't get a chance to watch a lot of movies, but my wife and I, we watched a couple, um, God, I'm trying to remember what we watched now, um. I know we watched Insidious, which is a scary movie that we I had seen parts of. Has anybody seen that? No. Anybody fan of horror movies? I'm not usually a big horror movie person, so kind of, maybe. Yeah, I did watch probably, I don't know, the best movie I watched this weekend, though, was um, American Animals. I'd never seen it. Anybody seen this? It's on HBO Max right now, I believe. Um, anyway, it's a true story of how these four guys... Uh, and this is like, a lot of it was accurate because they had the actual people that did this in the movie explaining what was going on kind of along the way. But four guys got together and decided to steal some multi-million dollar valuable books from a library on a college campus. The guy went to this college campus, uh, he attended college there, and he decided, they went on a, he went on a tour of the library and they had this special collections room and inside that room was this, you know, first these first edition books. One of them was by Charles Darwin. Another one was from a famous painter. I forget the guy's name, but he did this book called Birds of America. And these books were like huge books. I mean, the size of a, this tabletop here is how big some of these books were. But they got this bright idea that, hey, you know, these are these multi-million dollar books. We were going to uh, go ahead and figure out a way to snatch these. And I was just, it was, I don't know. I enjoyed watching it, but the whole time I'm watching them go through these, this motions, I'm thinking, God, these guys are stupid. You know, why, I mean, they should have, like, done it completely different. They decided to go in in the broad daylight. There was a librarian on duty. They decided to incapacitate her uh, in that room and then take the books, go out the back in, into the elevator, go downstairs to the basement, basement, and then go out the fire door when they got to the basement, there was no fire door, and then they had to walk, try to walk out the front door. Oh, it was just, yeah. And they're, 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 they were, uh, you could see their face. They didn't disguise themselves. I mean, it was just, yeah, if you get a chance to watch American Animals, it's pretty entertaining. But the, uh, I guess the best part of it to me was actually watching, they would show the actors doing this reenactment, and then they would go to the real characters, the real people, and they were explaining their thought process. Um, does anybody want a spoiler what happens? They get caught. Huh? They get caught. Of course, yeah, they get caught. All of them go to jail for over seven years. And I was like, oh, yeah. And they were on the way out, and they, like, get, they dropped the most valuable books because they were just too heavy. So they dropped the most valuable books and run off. And they, they had a number in their mind of $12 million is what they thought they were going to get. The books they stole were worth uh, $750,000. But after, like, if you were trying to sell these on the black market, they each would have got $75,000 a piece. So they committed, you know, this, this horrible felony, 
and where they actually quote unquote kidnap somebody all for seventy five thousand bucks and just totally not worth it. I mean, they didn't they and after they committed the crime, they didn't really flee. They just stuck stuck around, you know, kind of waiting to get caught. And I, I was I mean, you know, I would never do this, but I was telling my wife if I was to commit a crime like this, I would have an exit strategy where you would never see me again. You know, like I'd be in some South American country, I mean, just gone off the map, you know, you wouldn't, you have to have some type of getaway strategy. So I like, I like movies with it or like that are heist movies like that. But anyway, so what else is going on? Anything else new and exciting? I got called Saturday night that I'm the reason why people are going crazy. What? Yeah. Who's going crazy? Um, a Oh, so you're the reason why customers are going crazy? Yeah. Oh. Oh, no, I'm the reason why she's going crazy. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, that was fun. Is this, was this a co-worker or, or a manager? No, this was a guest. Oh. Um, we have three masks. Oh, I see what's up. Okay. So, whenever she came in, she was with another guy, but I didn't know they were together. Right. And um, he walked by me, and I said, hey, sir, I was like, you didn't bring a mask. We do have one to provide for you. It's free I said, okay, that's great. Like, perfectly fine. Um, and then she kept walking and, and right. walking and walking. And I said, um, ma'am, if you have that mask, would you just go ahead and put that on because you need one to shop. And she right. was like, no, I'm okay. So now um, you do need to wear one. I was like, if you'd like one of ours, that's fine. She said, you know what? You're the reason why I'm going crazy. You're the reason why people are going crazy these days. And I was like, ah, yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, I'm sorry you went through that, but I will say that you did the right thing by kind of standing your ground on that. And, I mean, it's, it's not you. It's the company policy, right? And I appreciate the fact that companies are taking the stand on this and not because people are like all offended by government mandates. Government ain't going to tell me what to do, right? Yeah. But if a company says, hey, guess what? You have to do this to shop with us. That's a different, that's a different thing, you know, because you're not, you don't have a right to like shop there. You know, it's their discretion to allow you to shop. And uh, I'll say this. I mean, I have no qualm with wearing a shirt and shoes to shop, right? Yeah. Shoes and shirts are required to check out in this, to shop in this place. What's the difference? If you're wearing shoes and shirts, why not wear a mask and protect our other guests? Because we don't know you. We don't know what you've, you know, where you've been. I, I, I went home that night, and I was really kind of upset about it. And I talked right. to my dad about it. And, I mean, he, he told me, he was like, you know, he, he completely agrees with you. Like, he thinks that all the this crap is BS. Right. It's not necessarily that like coronavirus is fake. Sure. He believes that it's real. Right. But, like, wearing a mask is kind of BS. But right. Just because he thinks that doesn't mean that he's going to go into business and just blatantly disrespect right, like, workers and not wear a mask. Well, my father-in-law, who I love and respect, love the guy, um, he's pretty hardcore, like, you know, not going to be pushed around, but he respects yeah. businesses' rights. And he, like, I ran into him at Walmart, uh, like, probably a month ago, and he's wearing a mask. And, I mean, just like you said, your dad, I mean... Don't has doesn't have to like it, but they recognize that we live in a society where you have a 
a diligence to you know to do your part. You know, I mean, there's been just so much like craziness with this whole thing, but and I'm not an expert, but I do a lot of reading and and I do a lot of uh, study in this particular thing because it's what's happening right now. And I believe that mass reduce transmission. I mean, you can you can argue how much, uh, but I believe that if everybody wore masks 100 percent, that it would it would slow transmission rates. So, but we do have a chunk of our society that's not going to do it. They're not going to play nice, and you know there's consequences from that. So, but I know that was not a fun thing to go through. I've been through similar things at Walmart, where I've had customers yell at me, and oh man. Once uh, two things that come to mind, I'll just I'll tell you one of them. May tell you the other one. But one time, a customer uh, wanted a refund on something, so we gave them the refund. He had a receipt showing the refund had been trans processed. Correct. Well, it didn't hit his bank account instantly. And if you've ever worked in retail, you know that sometimes it takes twenty four hours. Sometimes it takes forty eight hours. And this was the holidays when. Bank transactions are jammed up. There's just a lot of transactions that have to process. Well, he wanted his money instantly. And I'm like, well, sir, we've already given you the money. It just hasn't hit your account yet. He could not, I don't know if he couldn't understand that or he was just being irate. Or I think what he wanted, he wanted his money right then so he could get spending on something else. Yeah. But that's just not the way it works. You know, he wanted us to hand him the cash. I'm like, look, it's not how it works. Well, he was, he was, he was, and uh, <laughs> he just was not having it. So, he ended up, um, uh, you know, kind of getting out of my face, and we, we parted ways and ended up working out because I never heard from him again. But, yeah, I mean, you know, there's a right way and a wrong way to talk to people. So, and any time that my, anybody in my family has an issue like that or something pops up, I, I say it to them. I say, look, I know you're not happy, but whoever you're about to go talk to, realize it's not their fault. Like, because I have to get on the phone with somebody and I'm not happy about something that happened. And I know the operator, whoever it is, it's not their fault. They're just trying to make the day. And I explained to them, the front was like, look, what we're talking about, it's not your fault. And I realize that. And I'm sorry that I put you in this situation. But, you know, so. I think a big mistake right now that Target is making, especially our store, is they're putting the sweetest, nicest people at the front door. Right. So that, you know, if they, if somebody decides to yell at them, they're yelling at the sweetest, Nicest right. person in the store. Sounds like they need a bouncer, right? They need to get a well, bouncer. Okay. There. We have AP, and yeah. today they're starting where AP is going to be the one giving out the masks. Because what does AP stand for? Asset protection. Asset protection, okay. So I, I guess they're finally looking at us as assets. We, call, we, we call it LP, loss prevention, yeah. Yeah, at Walmart, so okay. But, um, and like right now, if you come into the store and you refuse to put on a mask, we are supposed to turn you away, but you're supposed to right. go right back out the door. And that's the policy for Wayne, by the way. If if they have asked people to leave campus that won't refuse, yeah. including an employee, I don't know who it was, but somebody was escorted away from campus for noncompliance. So, I mean, to me, it's not a big deal. I mean, you know, I told my dad like a week or two ago, I said, I don't care if I have to wear a mask the rest of my life in a store. I mean, it's no big deal. Who cares? I mean, like... Um, to be honest, it'll probably reduce uh, the flu transmission and common cold and other things. So I don't see a problem with it. And Asian countries, you see people who have been wearing masks for a long time just because of their population density. It's like they figured out, hey, maybe maybe let's not be around all these, these potential diseases and stuff in the air. So, All right, what else is going on? 
Any other things new and exciting worth reporting? Bree, how was your weekend? Mm-hmm. Nothing to report? Yeah, kind of not interesting. Yeah, um, aside from what I've mentioned, I don't think I did anything else too exciting. Yeah, it was a quick, just, I am like, we, we did get through our first week of the kids doing school from home. Uh, it was uh, mixed results. I mean, like, I think they had too much to do the first week. It was just really involved, and uh, I think they should have uh, just kind of started off one assignment per subject or something just to break the ice. But we made it through it, but it was just, it seemed it was really intensive for the first week, and I know there was a lot of stumbling from a lot of different parents. I mean, we stumbled, but we, we, we kind of regrouped, but... Yeah, I mean, and we're not even got to real difficult topics yet. I mean, when we start getting the stuff that we really don't know, I mean, that's going to be challenging. So, all right, well, just a little like uh, info about how I kind of manage my class classrooms. Um, I like to always have a icebreaker in the beginning of class to kind of get you guys talking. Some of you talk, most of you didn't. So, I like to invite engagement just so. Guys, I want you to be, this is a participative thing where you guys talk with me, I talk with you, and we discuss these uh, topics um, that do lead into talking about um, management. So today we're talking about Chapter 1. Did everybody get the email with the podcast? Anybody listen to it? Is it worth, is it interesting, worth listening to? I do that to give you guys some additional, um, I guess, avenues or, or modality to take in information. Um, and I'm recording this right now to be able to share with my Wednesday class so they can have access to what we talk about. But we're going to talk about Chapter 1 today and Chapter 2 on Wednesday with Chapters 1 and 2 being due Friday. I mentioned this to the Wednesday class. Friday, I'll still be here at 9 o'clock. I don't have any students in that class. But if you needed some, um, some extra help or you wanted to review or anything like that, um, I will be available during those times. So. Including my office hours. So, all right. So, chapter one's on managing and performance. The learning outcomes are: what do managers do to help organizations achieve top performance? What are the roles that managers play in organizations, and what are the characteristics that effective managers display? As I mentioned before, everything from the chapter and the lecture comes straight out of the book, including the assignments. I, I wanted to build the course around the book because that is a free resource that you guys should be able to access very easily. Um, so just off the top of your head, what do you think managers do to help them, like, help organizations achieve top performance? What do good managers do? What do, what do you guys think? They motivate employees. They motivate employees, okay. What do you think? What do good managers do? Stick to the core values, even when it might be a little bit difficult to do. Stick to the core, stick to the plan. What was yeah. it we're doing? Regardless of what's going on, yeah. What else do good managers do? What do you think? See problems and solve them. Solve problems, identify problems that could could occur, avoid those. Yeah, avoiding pitfalls. Anything else? What's that? Back their employees up. Okay. They're that, that middle man between the team member and the team, right. team executive. So, yeah, they're the go-between between the corporate and the, the actual team member. Okay, yeah. So be supportive. Be a good communicator. Listen. 
be a good planner, um, understand what the core values are and, and stick to them regardless of other things that might pop up. I did watch a documentary last night. This was the last thing I watched, like I was kind of going to sleep. It was a documentary on Netflix. And, man, that was, it was really interesting because um, I didn't realize Netflix had been around. It's been around for 23 years. I didn't realize it had been around that long. Um, and I've probably been a member of Netflix for at least 15 years because I was thinking about it. I used to do the DVDs. and Everybody used to do the DVDs. You like, you like that? That was fun. Yeah, um, but looking at the early days of Netflix, there were so many things that could have happened where they would have went out of business. At one point, I mean, they were tiny compared to Blockbuster. They were doing like uh, 50 million a year in revenue, and they were and Blockbuster was doing like six billion a year in revenue. They offered to sell themselves to Blockbuster. Blockbuster turned them down. They thought they were, you know, they didn't need them. And <laughs> yeah, Blockbuster made a lot of fatal flaws. Uh, you can just look, look back and see the things they did that, that kind of messed them up. But um, <clears throat> and it was really it came down to management and decision making. It was really interesting how uh, that's, that was the deal maker and breaker for, for Netflix and Blockbuster. When the new, a new CEO stepped in in Blockbuster, they were pursuing Netflix with online. They had this thing called Total Access where you could get an online movie, a disc, and then trade it in the store for a, a new one, or you could mail it back. You could, do, you could have your choice. But uh, the new CEOs backed off of that, and then they went bankrupt pretty, pretty soon after, a couple years later. So. So anything else that managers do to help organizations achieve top performance? Um, one thing that I mentioned to students um, new into the management course is there's two things managers can do that make them look really good right out of the gate when they get hires. One is to control expenses or lower expenses, and another one is to increase productivity and so or increase sales. And so if you can figure out a way to increase sales, what can you do to do that? And what can you do to control costs or lower overhead? Because what you're doing <clears throat> is you're increasing profitability at both ends. You're cutting costs and you're trying to push to increase sales. And so if you can figure out one or both of those, that's going to be a really good metric for you as a manager. And so um, and that's, that's something that managers do to look towards top performance. Looking at this roles managers play, this is... Um, this is from the chapter. It says, in Midsburg, seminal study of managers and their jobs, he found that the majority of them clustered around three core management roles. And I'll talk about that in a second, what those roles are. But before I do that, um, I mentioned in the podcast on Friday that managers often wear many different hats. You know, this analogy of a hat that you might wear. So, like, I know that you're a parent. And what kind of hat do you wear as a parent? Like, you're like a nurse, right? Uh, nurse, caretaker, caretaker, comforter, chef, chef, chef right? Jesus. Yeah. Safety officer, right? I mean, just keep going. I mean, what else? Is there anything else you can think of? Entertainment, you know, you're an entertainer. Yeah. yeah. Um, Taxi driver. Yeah, transportation, right. So there's a lot of hats that go into that, right? I mean, coach, like if your kid gets in the sports. What's that? Oh, Well, I, I didn't catch what that was. Hair, hair, okay, hairstylist, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, uh, what, what, what's the, or just clothing stylist, you know, so. Oh, style consultant. Style consultant, yeah. actual jobs. Yeah, style consultant, yeah. Um, like laundry worker, right? So, somebody does laundry, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot, of a cleaning person. I mean, there's just so many hats that go into being a parent, right? 
Same thing's true for management. I mean, like, uh, depending on where you work, uh, the amount of hats that you have to wear. Some organizations are very niche where this is your job, this is what you do, don't worry about anything else, just do this one thing. Um, but more often than not, in my experience, what I've observed is that managers have to do a lot of different things. They have to um, kind of be a consultant. They have to be a um, kind of a uh, counselor to offer people advice and feedback. They have to be a mentor. They also have to be a mentee. They have to look up to people and learn from other, other mentors. Um, they have to be a merchandiser or salesperson. They have to be a leader, they have to be a public speaker, they have to be a good listener. So there's a lot of different aspects. They have to be a disciplinarian, they also have to be a friend. So there's a lot of different hats that managers wear. What else can you think of that's a role a manager might have to play? What's that? Well, think about your own managers, some of the things they do. I mean, a lot of, like, just like this past weekend, like, we had three trucks in two days, pretty much, right. and none of the truck got broke out. My manager ended up having to be an inbound team member, right. pretty much, and having sure. to be flexible between doing the manager duties while right. also maintaining the team member. Just looking at, just Target alone, I mean, a manager at Target, um, You've got to be willing to be a cashier, yeah. cleaning crew. Cashier, guest services, yeah. flexes, yeah. Uh, you name it. Starbucks team member. Uh, like, yeah, you don't call them modulars, you call them planograms or? Yeah, planograms. Planograms, yeah, you got to be up. Uh, you got to do floor plan and that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah. so there's just a ton that goes into that aspect alone. I mean, I've never worked at a Starbucks, but just doing that, you've got to be uh, a barista, you've got to be a cleaning person, you've got to be uh, a, a payroll, you've got to be a counselor, a friend, disciplinarian, you can get services. I mean, so no matter what management role that you play, there's a lot of different aspects of it. And I share that with you because I want you to know that going in, it's not clean cut that, hey, I'm wearing the manager hat and that's all that entails. Yeah. It's actually, you've got to adjust your role depending on even who you're talking to. As an example, um, when I was at Walmart, I would have department managers that were really really good at their job, but they needed that little bit of micromanagement to kind of, because, I don't know, one debate that happens at my house almost every day is what we're going to eat for supper. Does anybody experience this? Hey, what's for supper? I don't know. Uh, it's the, it's the, it's, uh, yeah, exactly. Like, I don't want, I don't want anything. I mean, I'm hungry. I don't want any, I don't feel like eating anything. Though. It's like, you know, it's uh, such a, such a perpetual pain. But yeah, uh, managers go through this perpetual strife too of um, trying to figure things out and understanding what to prioritize. Um, so yeah, but just depending on where you work and depending on what the uh, tasks are, managers have to be flexible and adjust to those tasks. Uh, and so know that going in, don't, don't expect that. Uh, in fact, I'll say that most of my expectations have shifted. Like when I got this job, for example, I thought that it would be primarily teaching but I would say that 80 or 90% of my job is not teaching. It's actually course prep, it's actually grading, it's actually um, working with advisees to plan out uh, their academic plan on their degree plans. Um, it's reviewing their academic plan to see when they're ready to graduate, um, working on committees. There's a ton of other things that go into this particular job. When I got my last job, uh, which was working with the University of Mount Olive. Uh, 
Uh, it was pretty close to what I expected. Um, when I got my job at Walmart, it was nothing what I thought it was going to be. I thought being a manager at Walmart was walking around with the clipboards, observing, talking to people, and directing. I, my hands were like deep into whatever we were working on. I was busting cases, setting floor plans, um, running the register at times, um, cleaning, zoning, or organizing. I mean, you name it, working on the back room. And so you've got to be adaptive, and that's the big takeaway from the hack comments. And so the next thing is talking about these roles of managers, informational, interpersonal, and decisional. Um, what do you think informational entails? Knowing your company, knowing what you're working for. Okay. Who you're working for. Sure. It is, uh, the, the, the good thing is that these roles, the clue of what it involves is in the, in the title. So informational is dealing with the acquisition and dissemination of information. And my personal philosophy on this is you want to be as transparent as you possibly can be. There are things that um, you probably can't divulge to, uh, what do you call that target, like staff members or team members? Team yeah. members. There's things that you might not can tell team members or associates all the time, like if we're going to have a downsizing or we're going to have a layoff, that might not be something that you can just blurt out um, because it creates panic and fear. Like for the past month, they've actually been working on trying to rotate managers around to open right. up some positions, and nobody knew about it until last Thursday. Right. But they've been working on it for about two and a half months. Yeah, right. That kind of stuff, yeah. So, but otherwise, you want to try to be as transparent about everything that you can be because this closed culture or this culture of secrets, people think the worst, right? When, when you don't know something, your mind all automatically goes to, oh my God, there's something horrible happening. I don't know what it is, but they haven't told me, so it must be horrible, right? And so that's why I like to be as open and transparent as I, as I can be. Uh, and I encourage managers to do that because that transparency builds trust. And if people trust you, they're a lot more likely to stay with you and, and produce good work. Um, when I was a doctoral student, most of my study was into this area of motivation. And uh, people are really funny when it comes to motivation. The thing that motivates people is something that's very personal and this intrinsic, internal. It's not money. You know, you think money's a motivator or it's not material possessions. Uh, but really those are very weak motivators compared to doing something that people actually enjoy and like to do. So. Like, what's your, what's your hobby, Prophet? What do you like to do? I like to run. You like to run? So don't you feel great, like, anticipating going on a run? Just just even knowing you're about to go, right? You feel good about it? And then while you're doing it, don't you feel good? When you're done, you feel good? Does time drag, like, go slower in class or while you're running? While you're running? In class. In class? Goes by faster in class? Really? That's surprising. So what's the situation where time goes by faster for you than any other time that you experience yeah you seem like just you know time is constant but and you, when you're having fun right yeah in the morning time right you're getting up it's, the alarm clock went off it's time to go and yeah time is flying right yeah yeah i agree generally speaking though when we're doing something that's fun time seems to fly you know like you go do something really engaging that you enjoy time flies and so that's, that's the kind of stuff that you're motivated to do, that you're excited about. And the one trick in a kind of modern management theory is to 
identify people's attributes and what and what their good or aptitudes and put them in jobs where they're able to uh, kind of connect with what they love and do that. And, and it just works so much better. Instead of making people do things they don't want to do or they're not excited about, give them jobs that they could really enjoy and be excited. So, And when we talk about human resources, we'll talk about how important it is to hire the right person on the front end because, you know, everybody, there's a job that somebody enjoys doing. You know, they like, like you can think about being outside and doing landscaping work. For me, that's not for me. I have allergies, and anytime I walk outside, I instantly start sweating. But some people love to be outside. You know, they're, they're, they're just, you know, they want to be doing that kind of stuff. So, all right, so informational, it's about acquisition and dissemination of um, information. Interpersonal, what do you think that involves? What's that? Yeah, developing these interpersonal relationships and uh, being able to connect with people on a personal level. And so, you know, this is such an important thing. And as a man, there's this thing in management called managing by walking around. It's where you take time to go talk to your individual employees, get to know them on a personal level. And I try to do that in the classroom. Like when I talk about, you know, what you guys do this weekend or what, what did you see recently that was worth watching or anything like that. You know, I like to try to get to know you guys and, and, and learn a little bit about you. And it creates this uh, more well-defined interpersonal relationship. And then lastly is decisional, which is really foundational to what managers are supposed to do. They're there to make decisions. They're decision makers. Uh, they're the people on site who have authority to do things. And so uh, in the book, it talks about these three roles and it kind of breaks down examples of where these roles kind of uh, tie in. And so under informational, a monitor seeks to receive information from a variety of sources, whether it be the web, industry journals, reports, uh, and contacts. Disseminator, pass information on to others in the organization through memos, emails, phone calls. And then a spokesperson, transmit information to people outside the organization through speeches, interviews, and written communication. And so uh, as a manager, your, your goal is to be a little bit of all of this. Now, some organizations have restrictions on what you can do, like as an example for a spokesperson, <clears throat> like managers at Target probably are not authorized to talk to the press. No. Exactly. So if the press, if, if there's an incident that happens and WREL shows up or WECT shows up, they're going to say, guess what, call our, call our home office, talk to them, we, we, can't, we can't comment. And that's, that's what they want you to do. They want, they want to control the message, whatever that may be. And so there is actually a specific person that's been hired to be the spokesperson to be able to comment uh, in a way that represents Target's best interest. And so a figurehead going to the interpersonal roles is uh, performs formal duties like greeting visitors and signing contracts and other legal documents. A leader motivates, trains, counsels, communicates, and directs subordinates. And then a liaison maintains and manages information, links inside and outside of the organization. So those are some interpersonal roles. I'll say that um, none of these are all-inclusive, meaning that there's other examples that could fit under these uh, headings. And then lastly, decisional, an entrepreneur. Another word for entrepreneur is risk taker, somebody willing to risk capital, whether it be you know, re and resources towards some type of output. Uh, initiates projects that lead to improvements, delegates idea generation responsibilities to others, 
and identifies best ideas to act on. I tell you something I've had an itch to do, like I've, I've had an itch to do something like you know, in a business, but how badly do we need drive-in movie theaters right now? That's exactly what I was talking about yeah. on the radio. Right. Were they talking about on the radio? Uh, yeah, they were, uh, on 92.3 they were talking about right. how, like in the 1950s, there was like over 400,000 drive-in drive movie theaters, yeah. and today it is like less than 300. Right. And how there's businesses that are starting to yeah. make more revenue off of making a drive-in movie theater. I mean, even like, I, I mean, I think you could do it semi-economically if you could somehow get up some type of like board to project on or something and then um, get licensed to show even older movies like, I don't know, like Jaws during the Jaws or old, old stuff. I don't know. The license thing is the real, real hanger. I don't know how you would work that and pay royalties and that, that kind of thing. But um, I think for somebody looking for an opportunity, I think a drive-in movie, even post-COVID, like I think that still would be a hit because... Um, I don't know, did the movie theater open back up here locally this weekend? They had talked about some movie theaters opening this past weekend. I don't know. Right. Well, just a quick question. If movie theater did open like this week, would anybody be excited to go? I'd be more excited to go to a drive-in movie right. than yeah. to yeah. go to a movie theater. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know what the last movie I saw in the theater was, but I remember I went and saw Avengers Endgame. Yeah. Like in the past year or two, and we were packed up in there. You know, I was elbow to elbow with my you know, fellow movie watchers, and you know, I think this whole experience has changed people's perception on that type of experience. You know, um, even if it's if even if we could totally eradicate COVID, there's still gonna be flu and cold and other things to to deal with. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll just we'll see what. But I, I think. There's going to be some permanent changes in the way we, we do things going forward. So, um, Other decisional roles, disturbance handler, take corrective action during conflicts and crisis, involves disputes among subordinates. Yeah, these um, the larger your organization, the more likelihood you're going to have some type of disturbance occur. Walmart is, is just renowned for having disturbances all the time. Like, if you, when you've got an organization that just serves so many people over the course of a week, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people that go through the doors of a single Walmart in a week's time. Um, during that time frame, you're just going to have, I mean, fights break out between customers, which is not good. You know, they, they could get hurt. They could hurt somebody else. Um, we've had, I mean, shootings in the parking lots of different Walmarts. You've had car accidents where people get ran over uh, in different Walmarts. So it's just, uh, it's going to happen. So I'm... Um, the ability of a manager to step in and kind of take control of the situation and manage that crisis is important. Uh, a resource allocator decides who receives resources and manages schedules and budgets uh, and sets priorities. And then lastly, the negotiator represent a team, department, or organization regarding, regarding contracts, union negotiations, etc. We don't talk a lot about unions, but this is, um, I don't know, there's a lot of mixed feelings on unions. Um, some people were very anti-union, and I had some uh, kind of a weird brainwashing that happened at Walmart. They were really anti-union at Walmart. And so they, like, I would say brainwash is a, is a pretty thing. They would really pump this uh, this thing into your brain, thinking anything dealing with union, you need to alert us. It's important. And we are, you know, we're strongly against unions. If a union did form in, like, let's say Spence Avenue, they would close that store either temporarily or permanently to avoid a union 
And all everybody, that's what they tell the associates too. It's like, if you guys join a union, you're going to lose your job. That's that's how plain and simple it is. So, uh, I mean, on the one side of the coin, I think um, it's a good to have organizations that fight for employee rights. On the other side of the coin, unions have in the past had some corruption and issues with the unions themselves. So I see a lot of mixed mixed perspectives on that. So, all right. So, manage your responsibilities. We've talked about this, but the book mentions nine main um, responsibilities that are aggregated into these major types of activities. So, these are the kind of essential functions of a manager. Long-range planning. Managers occupying uh, executive positions are frequently involved in strategic planning and development. And this was interesting last night watching... Uh, this Netflix documentary I watched. It's on Amazon Prime. I forget. I think it's called Netflix versus the World or something like that. Um, but they had the former CEO of Blockbuster up there talking about the decisions they made. And uh, at the time that Netflix came around, they had no interest in going with a subscription service or a DVD rental service because they had so many stores, physical retail stores, that were successful. But they, they more and more realized they needed to... Um, do something to better serve the customer because customers hated the late fee thing. That was a real problem. It was a moneymaker for Blockbuster. But if you've ever paid late fees, I wonder how many, much in late fees I've paid in my lifetime. Anybody ever have the late fees on the rentals? I hated that, right? Guy. And what about the rewind fee? Remember that? Did you ever have to do that, Nancy? Mm-hmm. It, you, okay, it's late and you didn't rewind it, so it's another buck. Oh, I hated that. So, yeah, they had to respond, and he talked about kind of what they were going to do to respond. They, they started with a budget of $25 million to set up this separate division, the online disc business, and uh, just really interesting stuff. If you get a chance to watch it, check it out. Controlling is the next thing. Uh, managers evaluate and take corrective action concerning the allocation and use of human financial and material resources. Environmental scanning. Managers must continually watch for changes in the business environment and monitor business indicators such as returns on equity or investment, <clears throat> economic indicators, business cycles, and so forth. Yeah, there was an interesting story that came out two weeks ago. <laughs> this company called MicroStrategy. I'd never heard of it, but they are a um, online company that deals with marketing and, and things of that nature. And they had about a billion dollars in cash, and they were looking for a strategic like planning on how we're going to do with this. And they felt like the dollar was getting debased because of all the money printing going on and inflation was going to be rampant. <clears throat> so they bought, they, they paid dividends to uh, their, their stockholders, but they bought um, $250 million worth of Bitcoin. And that was kind of an unprecedented thing they did, but we're going to see how that plays out. But I, I just thought that was interesting that they would, they would take that bigger risk. Very interesting, uh, but it's according to their environmental scan, that's what they thought was the best thing to do at the time. So we're, we're, we're monitoring that and see how it's going to play out. Do you guys remember MoviePass? It was a kind of like a Netflix for movie theaters. You got a credit card, and it was, it was probably, I think it was about $20 a month, but you could go see a, a movie every day of the month for free in the theater as a subscription member. You guys remember this? It was such a blink of the eye thing. It happened a couple years ago. I still got my card. Yeah, you paid about $20 a month, but you could go to the theater every day for every day of the month and watch basically 30 movies for free if you could go every day. 
<laughs> I wasn't a power user. I could only go maybe a couple times a month, but I thought it was pretty cool. Um, so coordinating. Um, managers must coordinate the work of others, both inside the work unit and out. Customer relations and marketing. Certain managers are involved in direct contact with customers and potential customers. Here's the last few. Community relations. That's important. I'm not going to read word for word, but um, I used to work for Toyota, and one of my managers there was seemed to never be in the office, but he was a very big community involvement person. He would go to chamber of commerce meetings. He would go to funerals. He would go to funerals and kind of connect with um, people. I mean, Pecatolis, of course, but he was kind of there representing the organization. You know, um, I know that's crazy, but have you ever heard that politicians go to a lot of funerals? I, I, I never heard that either, but as apparently like local politicians, you know, of course, I guess they know a lot of people, but that's kind of their, one of their community relations things is to go pay condolences and be present. Um, internal consulting. Some managers make use of their technical expertise to solve internal problems, acting as inside consultants for organizational change and developments. And then lastly, monitoring products and services. Managers get involved in planning, scheduling, and monitoring the design, development, production, and delivery of the organization's products and services. So a lot of different manager responsibilities that go into it. This graphic right here, this is a typical pyramid structure that you see within an organization or a hierarchy. Um, at the bottom, you see rank and file employees. This is your frontline workers, people who have direct contact with the customer. The next level up, you see frontline managers. These are kind of the go-betweens, the corporate and the frontline workers. They are there to make sure that work is getting done. The middle managers are people like your divisional, regional managers, or your district managers. And then the top level executive management are your CEOs, your um, vice presidents, and things like that. It says employees at middle and first line level of management might also have managerial responsibilities that span departments as leader of a team, as the leader of a team. All right, this is really interesting, um, and we're getting close to wrapping up, but it'll say, it'll have these different types of managers, executive, middle, or front, front, front line. And if you're a frontline manager, I'm gonna use the example of like Verizon Wireless, okay? Or I'm gonna use, um, actually a better one is US Cellular. Does, does, does anybody have US Cellular in here? Okay, do they still do phone repairs in the shop? I think they do small repairs. Right. But if anything, that's like a bigger, I don't know what would be bigger. He tells me that he does small things on like right. phones, like he can take off the phone and clean out like the charging ports and stuff okay. like that. Okay, I got you. And can do screen repairs in store, I think. Well, but. I had a friend that used to work at US Cellular and he worked in the repair area and um, he eventually got promoted to the manager of that, that unit, but he had a high degree of technical knowledge. You can see this on the first, first line managers. They understood the inner workings of phones and what needed to happen. The front line people also needed to have a high degree of human resource, or not, not I guess not human resources, but um, human interaction or interpersonal skills. And then very the, the conceptual part of the top they didn't need the skills to be able to conceptualize or think of new directives because that wasn't what they were supposed to be doing. They were supposed to be doing on the ground, technical and human stuff. The middle managers need to know a little bit of each. 
but you can see they didn't need to be as technical. And then at the executive level, they needed very little technical expertise. Um, they needed pretty much the same level of human, but they had to have a high degree of conceptual work. They needed to know how to visualize what's next for this company. So you can kind of see the evolution that goes through here. And most managers start off as a frontline manager, and then they work their way up to executive. And as they move higher and higher up, like for example, um, the CEO of Apple doesn't need to know exactly what makes the product work. They need, they're there to think about selling the product and global logistics and that kind of stuff. So, all right. Any questions about anything we've talked about so far today? We'll switch back to the mask because this thing's kind of annoying. All right. Questions, comments, ideas? All right. So homework for Chapter 1 is going to be due this Friday. Wow, it's such a big difference because when I'm talking to this, I feel like I'm talking like back at myself. So, But, um, yeah, we're going to go over Chapter 2 on Wednesday in my Wednesday class, and I'm going to post that on Wednesday to the podcast, and I'll email that to you guys. If you need anything in the meantime, don't be afraid to, or hesitant to email me. But just go ahead and start working on your chapter work homework today. And it's only two assignments. I'll go ahead and get that out of the way. And then, I'll, like I said, I'll post a lecture from Chapter 2 on Wednesday, okay? All right, guys. I appreciate you. Happy Monday. Have a good week. I'll talk to you. I'll see you next Monday. Six. Thank you so much for spending some time with me on the podcast. I hope you got something out of it and learned something that you can use in the world and share with others. If you did like it, please indicate so by liking, sharing, or going to Apple Podcasts and leaving a review. Until next time, I wish you well.